The date is Friday, April 8th, and you're listening to Entertain This, a thought-provoking podcast encapsulating all things entertainment. Musical parodies can often be humorous changes in lyrics that you make up on the fly when you're goofing off with your friends. But what happens when you mix this with the -the over-the-top rock and roll antics that only Jack Black and Kyle Gass can provide? Well, the result is Tenacious D, and that's what this episode is all about. So enjoy! Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to your favorite show on the internet, encapsulating all things entertainment. It's Entertain This! It's Entertain This! No, do it. Do it's Entertain right. This! <laughs> <laughs> we got him. <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, this episode is dedicated to the world's longest... Yeah, boy. Here we go. <laughs> no, please don't. Yeah! Please don't. <laughs> no, I'm not going to do that. Um, yeah, boy. I love that, like, towards the end, it's the guy just going, like, <laughs> the fun part is you really only have to get that first word out. Yeah. So if you can get like yeah, like stretch as long as you want, you can hit boy right there at the end with the last oh, of everything. The boy you got. is just like an exclamation mark on it. Boy. <laughs> anyway, I'm Alex. I'm uh, Michael. And I'm Nick. And I'm not gonna forget to introduce us, even though I do about fifty percent of the time. It's okay. I'm I forget try- that you forget. <laughs> I want to be better, guys. I want to be like I want to be like our favorite band, Bleakers. I want to be better. I want to be better. I want to be screaming it from the highway or whatever he says. <laughs> uh, Michael and I yeah, went. We, to we go saw s- the stands. We went and saw stands mm-hmm. um, right here in Cincinnati. Cincinnati. What's, uh, what's a stand? Also known as Bleachers, uh-huh. the band. Oh, it's a band. Okay. Yeah, they sing songs like "I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get not worse," and mm-hmm. got it. Uh, take take the melancholy out of Monday day. There you go. And things like that. Uh, and another <laughs> one. I can do three. I can do three. Take me out uh, to the ball game. Start make start making this feel good. Is a good one. <laughs> That's really good. That's and really they, good. And they sing. They sing one called Bumper Cars. <laughs> um, and and that's what I know about them. That's all. That's it. All right. Well, I'm gonna go uh, look those songs up, and you better not be lying. Okay, good luck. <laughs> uh, Very disappointing. Guys, it, it's, it's my week to host. Mm-hmm. Do you think that it's clear to our listeners who are out? And there are, a, I've been checking our analytics frequently because now I have like open access to them. We have a lot of like international listeners. Wow. Our, our second highest country like that listens to our podcast is actually Australia, which is wild. It's like <laughs> Melbourne and Sydney. It's like the big parts. <laughs> Which is what? So holla, holla at you, down under. Thank <laughs> it seems you. Bizarre to me that people <laughs> outside the United States will listen to us talk. You're so right. Um, yeah. You're not wrong at all. But what I was saying was, do you think that it's obvious that our like our whole frame is we each get a week each month, and then we do a guest episode, and then next month we start that over. So like we all take turns being basically the ones holding the wheel of this car and trying not to crash it. And we've done that for two years. Is that, is that, is that a question? Like, is that clear? Cause yeah. Is that clear? I think to us it is. I don't know. I feel like maybe it'd be one of those things that we can add it into like, as a part of the whole cold open situation where it's like, we do the cold (laughs) open, we introduce ourselves. And then this week, just like on all of our other weeks, like I'm going to be hosting this. And then next week it's going to be, and then we just kind of go into that whole spiel. Yeah. Would you say that that's kind of what we're doing right now? That might be. It's just kind of hard to like condense that down into a sentence or so, you know? Yeah. Welcome to the only show on the internet where the three hosts switch off every week. No, that sounds like there are going to be three new people. (laughs) (laughs) We'll workshop it. We'll workshop it. Welcome to the only show on the internet where one of us is in charge each week. That sounds like we're toddlers. Let's try one more. (laughs) I'm in charge. Um, (laughs) Welcome to the... Only show on the internet encapsulating all things entertainment. This week's next week. No, it's not. It's my week. Um, and you're listening to entertain this. None of it works. You're just nope. going to have to accept. You're going to get to it. this. You're going to get 107 episodes in. And you're going to listen to this bit right here. And you're going to say, 
oh, now I get it. And <laughs> yeah. then you'll get it moving forward. And <laughs> that's going to be, yeah. that's the extent of what you're going to get from us. We Lordy. only require so, 107 hours of investment to actually understand what's going on. <laughs> we go way over an hour all the time. And Project Icosa part two is two and a half hours long. There's no way that we only have 107 hours of our voices out there. We for sure, there, there are enough episodes of Entertain This that you could force a computer to listen to all of the episodes of Entertain This. And it could probably do a pretty good job yeah. of scripting out another episode of Entertain This. Probably. <laughs> that would, scary they like would that. mention trains at least once. <laughs> true, true. Probably it would like very uniquely space out the word interesting. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Do I do that? <laughs> no. Sometime. Is that my thing? <laughs> what? <laughs> what's what's a Michaelism? Um Michael says stuff. I didn't it's, script I usually, this at all. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> some, like, I'm know. not prepared. <laughs> Uh, Michael <laughs> I'd be interested oh, to see what that turned out anyway all of that being said it's my week so without further ado let's get into it let's get into this week's what are you episode. talking about huh <laughs> sorry go on you wrecked my transition I was giving you a pause to make put the put the music in from the top uh, <laughs> just I'm gonna go right there just so you just know. play the music just yeah. play it <laughs> Hey, thanks for coming. Let's talk. So, trials and tribulations pave the road to glory. Would you agree? Yeah. Sometimes. Okay, sometimes. <laughs> for those who have a love for performance and a unique ability to adjust their own expectations, they can often walk this narrow path to stardom, though it is often said they meet with less than ideal companions at the crossroads of this journey. Mm-hmm. Am I being vague enough that you don't know what I'm talking about, but you're a little interested? This yeah. this sounds Great. like a song or a quote or something. Yeah, no, I wrote that. Anyway. Oh, wow. <laughs> so talented. <laughs> He's a good writer. This, this dark and lonely path is destitute and cold. Without companionship, one could find themselves lost in the insignificant relationships that seem to come and go as fast as success and failure. Desperation leads to bad decision making, which can also lead to further desperation. With a combination of timing and desperation, you may find yourself in the presence of true evil and not even realize it. Boom, boom. For two star-crossed brothers, this path is quite familiar, as well as its inhabitants. Had they not shown pure, awesome magnetism to each other, who's to say they wouldn't still be wandering? You see... On rare occasions, you can walk this dark and winding path to legendary status, and all you need to do is find another soul with the same hunger that you have. These two, destined, one might say, to find each other, would change rock and roll forever and forge a new path. The adventures they endure and the challenges they face would define who they were and shape their place in the stars. And we are, of course, talking of the legendary duo, Tenacious D. Ooh, baby. <laughs> Ooh. So plug in your ants, amps, chant your eldritch words to Beelzebub, and entertain them! <laughs> <laughs> legendary. I was going to try a solve before he said that, because you said two brothers in rock and roll. I was like, oh, Eddie and Alex Van Halen. That's exactly where my head went, too. <laughs> Incorrect. But Damn. I also think that if, if Jack Black and Kyle Gass were to listen to the intro to this episode, they'd be like, we would have fucking written exactly those words. And that's what I was going for. <laughs> Tenacious D, huh? So let's start, as we always do, with a simple question. What do you guys know about Tenacious D? Throw it out here. Let's hear it. I know. Uh, let's do a little preamble. Yeah, I know. I, I've seen the movie Tenacious mm -hmm. D and the Pick of Destiny. Excellent. I know that they have like a show that they did do. You like, that, did you like the movie? Oh, yeah. It's incredible. Okay, great. It's incredible. Yeah. Um, it, I, I know they also have like a stage show where it's basically them like performing the movie live on stage. That was actually a touring concert. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, they unfortunately don't do it anymore, but it was right. pretty cool when they did do it. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's, 
I don't know. I feel like I know a lot, but also I can't feel like I that, can't re- isn't say that anything. Wild? Yeah. <laughs> isn't that wild that you know so much about these two and like what they're all about, but honestly, you know nothing about. <laughs> right. Exactly. It's like I know that Jack Black was Kung Fu Panda and Nacho Libre. Yeah, um, he sure was. Yep. We're not going to be talking about that, but we'll, nope. we'll fly right past it. Shucks. What do you know, Nick? What do you uh, know? Are you so crunching? my answer is going to surprise you because. Are you I'm, eating in the middle of our show? No. Arguably, okay. <laughs> I wish I was. Yeah, I don't blame you. Um, arguably, I'm the most rock and roll person here, right? Um, yeah, sadly, that is true, which is <laughs> wild. But surprisingly, I know the least about him because I saw all this, like, School Rock came out when I was in eighth grade or something like that. And I saw Jack Black, like, doing all this cringy stuff. Or at least cringy? My teenage self thought it was cringy. Because School I was a of serious Rock was guitarist. one of the greatest movies of all time. <laughs> I know. But I saw it and I was like, oh, that's cringe. I'm never going to watch another or listen You're to another cringe. Jack Black music thing ever again. So to this day, I still have not listened to any Tenacious D. Well, hopefully I'll change your mind. And that's sad. <laughs> I will hopefully change your mind as we, as we approach this topic. Won't be hard. Great. Sounds great. <laughs> Let's get into it then, because it's time for a history lesson Ooh. on the greatest band in the world. Let's throw it back to 1986. <laughs> Why 86, you ask? Because that was the year that the planets aligned and Jack Black met Kyle Gass. They also refer to each other by a couple of different nicknames, such as JB and KG, which makes sense. Yeah. Because uh, those are their initials. But JB became Jables which is a name that they often refer to Jack Black as, as Jables, and KG became Cage. So they are also Jables and Cage. Nice. That's pretty good. <laughs> so I if you listen that. to their music and you hear any of those names, that is how their names break down. It's Jack Black to JB to Jables, and then Kyle Gass to KG to Cage. So there you go. There's your first little lesson. No, I got it. So let's, the year's 1986. The location is a teacher's house in Los Angeles. Black and Gas, you see, were both members of a theater troupe called the Actors Gang, <laughs> which is like a such a weird like counterweight to Tenacious D because Tenacious D is like, what does that even mean? And then the Actors Gang, you're like, oh, it's a gang of actors. I get it. <laughs> it's like the lower brow version of the Actors Guild. <laughs> That's exactly kind of what it seems like. Nice. And though we would have maybe expected it, their first meeting wasn't the explosion of celestial energy that we would have expected. You see, Black admits that due to uh, animosity, quote unquote, he and Gas didn't initially see eye to eye. As Gas was the main musician of the actors gang and felt, quote, threatened by Jack. (laughs) How so? (laughs) I don't know, another, another musician comes on the scene, you're like, he's going to take my job. I see. You know? I can relate to that. So then what what changed? What what changed the tides of the these two futures um, and meshed them into one cacophony of awesomeness? Let's talk about it. Hmm. The actors gang traveled to Edinburgh, uh, Scotland, for the Edinburgh Fringe Festival in 1989, a couple years after they met. And they performed in a play called Carnage, written by Tim Robbins of Shawshank Redemption fame. Mm. I know Tim Robbins. You guys know who you guys know who he is? Yeah. I mean, no, but he plays Andy Dufresne. Andy Dufresne. He's From the what? he's the main character, the guy that's he's not the, uh the other guy come who on, get plays there. God. Nope. Come on, get there. The Shawshanker. <laughs> no, come on. What's his name? Come on. Uh, Morgan Freeman. Now. There it is. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Nice. God. We got it. <laughs> Otherwise, known so as the voice of God. Correct. <laughs> so the two befriended each other during the trip, uh, notably while climbing Arthur's seat, notably a dormant volcano. <laughs> nice. Nice. Very <laughs> metal. Right. On their day off, which is an epic quest indeed that would reap the greatest of treasures. Friendship. Wow. It was the friends we made along the way. (laughs) Following the trip, Black and Gas would bond over music. Black states that he didn't learn guitar until he was around 23 years old. So he would regularly visit Gas's uh, studio apartment um, in the deal that Gas would teach Black to play guitar. And in return, he would bring him food. 
mainly the fast food chain Jack of the Box. <laughs> I get it, because Jack Black likes Jack in the Box. Yeah, I guess that's the joke. Maybe there's a joke there. Probably not. <laughs> we're not. <laughs> we're an entertainment podcast. We don't have to make people laugh. <laughs> um, Black has comedically stated that their go-to order was two tacos for a dollar because, quote, it was cheap. He said... If we wanted to splurge, we would go with monster tacos, which include a little extra lettuce and salsa. Mm, like a supreme taco from Taco Bell. A taco supreme. <laughs> the two would work together professionally at the actors gang and would collaborate in productions after that. Hmm. So we're getting some traction. They don't hate each other, and that's huge. That's all you can really ask for. Yeah. Honestly... <laughs> That is what holds groups of people in the entertainment industry together is just not hating each other. Yeah, and we should know. Yeah, And we should know. It's like, I don't hate you guys, I guess, so that's good. I don't hate you guys, so I'll talk to you every week for an hour. Yeah, why not? Well, why not? So it took a few years after meeting uh, in the early 1990s for the two to actually begin writing their own music. Uh, Black and Gas eventually wrote their first song after Black had been dumped by a girlfriend called Melissa. It was a non-comedic song. Hmm. The two have since admitted to feeling embarrassed about the song, though they occasionally sing it during interviews when they tell the story. Wow. That's kind of wild. Yeah. Um, Their second song came about when um, Black was listening to the Metallica song One, Famous in Guitar Hero. Mm-hmm. You know it. You love it. Bing, if you look bing, it up, bing, you, bing. You, will, you will only have to listen to the first five seconds and immediately you'll be like, I know this song. Yep. Um, but he was listening to one by Metallica and told Gas that it was, quote, the best song in the world. And Gas told Black that they couldn't write the best song in the world. But Black put a twist on it and said that they could write a tribute. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. A tribute to the best song in the world. Gas played an A minor chord on his guitar at the apartment, and the two spent three full days crafting the song. And when it was done, Gas mentioned that they, quote, knew they had something. The song made the duo realize their comedic potential, and the two would initially call themselves Responsive Chord for a brief period of time whilst rehearsing the comedy act. I kind of like that name. Respondent Chord? Responsive Chord? Respondent. That's what it is. Either one of those kind of works. <laughs> they said responsive is what they said. Responsive. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Why not? So the band's first ever onstage appearance was at the Highlands Grounds in Los Angeles, a coffee shop uh, where they performed <laughs> as the Axe Lords featuring Gongazon Mischief. Um, <laughs> though the production was technically part of the Actors Gang variety event. Notably in the audience was uh, Harry Shearer. Nick. Harry, she- I don't know. Sorry, you don't know who Harry Shearer is. No, not off the top of my head. Is, so, is he related to uh, Ed Sheeran? No, he's a, an actor <laughs> who played in Spinal Tap. Mm. He's also the voice of uh, of Principal Skinner in <laughs> The Simpsons. <laughs> That's too. But I perfect. thought you know him from Spinal Tap. I know him more from Simpsons. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, so he's the reason you have steamed hams. <laughs> so steamed hams. <laughs> Funny. So the band's first performance at an actual music event was a short appearance at Al's Bar in the summer of 1994. The band performed the live debut of Tribute, their song, about the greatest song in the world. Um, a famous TikTok sound now, by the way. Uh, I recently figured out... <laughs> It's the one that goes that one. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you can look it up. It's a great song. I can't play it here for legal reasons, but you look it up. <laughs> um, still, that was their only song at the time. And the duo also gave the audience the chance to vote on their name. Uh, Black and Gas gave them a choice between pets or meat. <laughs> pets Balboa's or meat. Pets or Meat was the name of the band. Quote, Pets or Meat. Okay. Quote, Balboa's Biblical Theater. Okay. Uh, quote, The Axe Lords featuring uh, Gorgonzon's Mischief, which was Kyle Gass's <laughs> personal favorite. Yeah. Um, tenacious D, a basketball term used 
by commentators to describe robust defensive positioning in basketball. <laughs> um, and those were the options. Apparently, Tenacious D did not win, but Black has gone on record in saying, quote, we forced it through. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So you're telling me they didn't like they weren't born into this world with birthmarks that on just... their ass that said Tenacious D. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately not. Damn it. It's, I thought that yeah, movie it's... was a documentary. Yeah. What the hell? <laughs> we'll kind of get to that. There are the reason why I'm going into the history of Tenacious D is because their real life story does kind of follow the plot of Tenacious D and the pick of destiny up until the point where they break into the like <laughs> the rock and roll hall of fame, the rock and roll hall of fame and try to steal something called the pick of destiny that never happened. But like them hating each other at first and then Kyle gas becoming Jack Black's mentor and like all that stuff. A hundred percent real, hmm, which awesome. is wild. Good to keep in mind. Good to keep in mind. Um, so in May of 2000, Tenacious D signed to Epic Records uh, as a as Black's uh, profile increased due to his roles in films such as High Fidelity. Uh, the band worked on recording their first album with producer with producers um, the Dust Brothers, and in 2001 they released their debut, Tenacious D, which was a self titled album, um, and it peaked to number 33 on the Billboard 200 on October 13th of 2001. So not bad. Wow. Yeah. So while Tenacious D usually appeared as a duo, the album was backed by a full band. Are you ready for this? Nick, are you ready for this? I'm holding on. Let's hear it. This is what the band consisted of. Dave Grohl on drums and guitar. Whew. Of Foo Fighter fame. Right. Uh, the keyboardist was Paige uh, McConnell of Fish. Okay. All right. The guitarist was Warren Fitzgerald of the Vandals. I haven't heard of him, but okay. That's fair. And the bassist was Stephen Shane McDonald of Red Cross, which is like all huge rock and roll bands. <laughs> they basically were like, you guys want to be on our comedy album? And these huge musicians were like, yes, we do. Correct. <laughs> I love that. When musicians don't take themselves too seriously, they're like, we can joke around a little bit, right? Right, guys? Yeah, of course. So according to Black, they chose to use a band because there were, uh, because, quote, no one's ever heard us with a band. Um, the majority of the songs on the album were performed previously on their short-lived television series, of which Michael mentioned. Um, although the critical reactions varied, by November of 2005, the album had achieved platinum status in the U.S. Pretty good. It's a big deal, I think. Entertainment Weekly described the release as, quote, hilarious and, quote, no mere comedy record. And All Music wrote that the album, quote, rocks so damn hard. Uh, Flask Magazine criticized that the, the band's use of skits between songs, describing them as distracting and a nuisance, both things that I think um, not only Tenacious D absolutely are, but us as well. <laughs> um, in addition... The Independent remarked that the album was full of swearing and scatology and was huh. brief of even the slightest skit mark of humor. So clearly these guys know how to take a fucking joke. Just by the way they are <laughs> quoted, they sound like a bunch of assholes. <laughs> scatology and lowbrow humor. <laughs> brief of even the slightest skit mark of humor. <laughs> I hate it. I hate them. I don't know why. I just do. Damn, chill out, you guys. Jeez. <laughs> the first single of the album was Tribute, of course. Mm. Uh, a tribute to the greatest song in the world, which in the song, Tenacious D claimed they had performed in order to save their souls from a demon. Uh, Nick wouldn't have known that because he hasn't listened to any other music. True. <laughs> uh, a music video directed by Liam Lynch was shot for the song. The video achieved success and was voted the fifth Best music video ever by Kerrang! Readers, which is a uh, heavy metal magazine. Yep. This was followed by a uh, second single called Wonder Boy, uh, <laughs> the music video of which was directed by Spike Jones, believe it or not. <laughs> wow. Oh, boy. And then uh, a third video was animated depicting Black and Gas as cheerups. Um, and was made for Fuck Her Gently, directed by Ren and Stimpy creator 
John Krivalski. I'm sorry, Steve. I don't know how to pronounce that. <laughs> that tracks. <laughs> I'm sorry, Steve Price. I don't know how to pronounce that. Come on. Ren Stimpy guy. Got it. It's a Ren Stimpy guy. This guy made Ren Stimpy. Um, so that explains how in uh, the Pick of Destiny, there are the Ren and Stimpy moments as well, <laughs> because they had personally worked with him before. <laughs> Now, for the moment we've all been waiting for, the creation of the greatest movie of all time. Black and Gas had dreamt of producing a Tenacious D movie since forming the band, achieving footage of banter, or sorry, archived footage of (laughs) banter at an early Tenacious D show, records Black saying a movie would be the pinnacle. (laughs) In February of 2003, it was announced that the band had signed with New Line Cinema to create a Tenacious D film with Liam Lynch as the director, and Black, Gas, and Lynch writing the script and being producers of the production. Hmm. So, also in 2003, Black announced that the film's working title was going to be Tenacious D and the Pick of Destiny, and that the script was about the band's search for a sacred guitar pick. Uh... (laughs) Filming had been expected to take place by the end of 2003. However, it was delayed by almost a year due to Black being cast in Peter Jackson's big budget remake of King Kong. You remember when... Oh my God, yes. (laughs) You remember when Jack Black played the movie maker in King Kong? Yeah. That's the reason that delayed Pick of Destiny to 2005. Fuck you, King Kong. This is why they had to remake your movie again. Peter Jackson, I love you, but no. No, (laughs) not King Kong. (laughs) Major oof. Yeah, that movie wasn't. The only thing that was good about that movie was King Kong fighting T-Rexes. Yeah, he was like. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Ripped him in half. It was wild. (laughs) Wow. In December of 2004, Black and Gas performed some songs from the upcoming soundtrack of the film whilst touring in Australia. Again, shout out to our Australian listeners. Um, (laughs) And announced that the film would include cameos from Meatloaf and Ronnie James Dio. In case you didn't remember, Meatloaf plays uh, Jable's dad at the beginning of the movie. (laughs) Ronnie James Dio, of course, is the one-time singer for Black Sabbath. Attaboy. Keep it coming. Nice. He's like the he he was the first to do this thing the yeah. the uh, the horns. This is a podcast. I know the throwing up the horns. You know with the you know the horns. Yeah, yeah. He was on a poster in uh, Jable's room as a kid, and he sings through the poster to Jables, telling him that he needs to go <laughs> to uh, to Hollywood. Nice. It's it's wild. If you have not seen this movie, Nick, you need to watch. You would absolutely love it. As soon as we're done with this podcast, well, that's it's going to blow your mind. <laughs> I watch um, it eventually. And I did not mean to blow your mind. <laughs> I did not mean, did not mean to blow, to blow your mind. mind. That'll be fun to sync up yeah. later. Um, the film was released worldwide on November 22nd of 2004. Uh, Tenacious D and the Pick of Destiny grossed uh, 8300000 and $34,575 in the U.S. and Canada Mm. uh, at a total of $13,426,450 worldwide on a budget of $20 million. So it bombed. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It bombed big in case your math skills ain't there they did not make their money back for what they produced Hmm. um so on their 20 million dollar budget uh and the u.s 40 million in estimated marketing costs (laughs) so the grand total cost ladies and gentlemen is 60 million dollars and how much did they bring in 13 million whoopsie oopsie daisies <laughs> drop the baby oh cold classic not good cold classic question mark hold on financially it was regarded as a box office bomb yes um but to coincide the release of their new film and album tenacious d embarked on the pick of destiny tour in which michael was referring to before um it was in the u.s Canada, the UK, Australia, and New Zealand, and this tour included the band's first appearance in New York City's Madison Square Garden. Um, Unlike other tours, this one featured a full backing band. Uh, Each member basically was from the movie, so 
They brought mm-hmm. in the devil. They brought in all of the side characters. They brought in everything. And it was basically a live version of the movie. Um, but Black has said that the band lost money on the tour due to the cost of touring with a full band for the first time. So they didn't make money there either. <laughs> That's okay because Jack Black made so much money with King Kong that he didn't have to worry about any of that. Yeah. You are not entirely wrong. <laughs> so why are we talking about these legends and how did they become the legends if their first major project bombed so hard? Uh, Jack Black and Kyle Gass would separate as the years went by. Jack pursued a successful acting career that garnered himself a large fan base mm-hmm. in movies mm-hmm. such as Nacho Libre and Kung Fu Panda. <laughs> <laughs> he was in The Holiday, I think. What else was he in? Do you guys remember the School of Rock? Oh, of he rock, was yep. in Tropic Thunder. Oh, yeah, he was in, uh, <laughs> he was in Jumanji, but that came later on. Mm-hmm. Uh, Night at the um, Museum, was he in that? No. No? Okay. <laughs> Hard now. Night at the Museum 2? No. Still no. Um, <laughs> Kyle Gass, in the meantime, continued to make music, uh, though he never reached the heights of Tenacious D. Um, due to the fame that Black achieved, notably with School of Rock, another movie based around Black's musical talents, many fans revisited his filmography and then found Pick of Destiny. Hmm. It is now regarded as a cult classic held to the same regard as the Rocky Horror Picture Show. There you go. Because Mm -hmm. our idiot, stupid, stupid generation found it and went, oh, I fucking love this. (laughs) Oh, this is so good. Pretty much. Uh, And we all agree that it is really good. And I think that it's partially nostalgia that, that hits with that because the early 2000s, like this movie was loud and colorful and exciting mm-hmm. so we all saw it on like comedy central once in like 2008 yeah and that's why we probably all love it now could be well it definitely has like that early to mid 2000s like uh stoner humor that <laughs> was really popular at the time too yes. the vibes the aesthetic yeah. yep <laughs> the v- the vibes, <laughs> the aesthetic, and I mean, just like the, the entire nature. scene of Jack Black doing cartwheels through lasers, uh, and then he <laughs> deactivates the lasers with his dick. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Jack Black was quoted uh, in saying, "A lot of enthusiastic stoners were like, yeah, dude, just saw it,' and I was like, where were you when the movie came out? And he said, sorry, dude, I was high. (laughs) And that's 100% the energy of the people who love this movie. For an entire Um, year. (laughs) It's just impossible. (laughs) So, all in all, Pick of Destiny became a huge global success, but it took a couple years. Mm -hmm. Goes to show that sometimes your art isn't realized until, you know, it's made. (laughs) Until it's too late. (laughs) As for Tenacious D, they reunited under a new album called Rise of the Phoenix, which uh, recounts their rise back to power after the bomb that was the Pick of Destiny. And they're very (laughs) meta about it. Um, One of the lyrics in their song, Rise of the Phoenix, I think it's the first song on that album, is um, the critics all agreed it was a stinky pile of cheese. (laughs) But that does not mean that our hearts are not strong, just like the Phoenix. They just straight up talk about how Tenacious D and the Pick of Destiny bombed, and they're like, but we're the Phoenix, and we're rising from the shit ashes that was the Pick of Destiny. <laughs> Unbeknownst to them, we all fucking love the Pick of Destiny. Mm. Um, and they are still touring to this very day. Wow. Fun fact. Wow. It just goes to show that sometimes all you need are good friends and a dream, and you may just make it. You may just entertain this. Whoa. Whoa. Ah. Whoa. It's a short episode this week, and I'm sure you guys are wondering why, because we're only at the 30 minute mark. Um, well, we're still going to do a quick this, so Michael's not getting out of it. Damn it. <laughs> but uh, after the quick this, we are going to play the prologue for our upcoming show, Project Icosa, a D&D actual play podcast. Um the first episode of that will be the second week of April. So get ready and excited for that. But till then, we right back with a quick this. Play the music. And we're back. 
Mike, you got quick this for us. Oh boy, howdy do I? Uh, <laughs> okay. Oh boy, howdy do it. I would. I would be glad to start a quick this if only I could Here get a huh? timer. I'm gonna do the timer what? bit again, huh? Well, if it's you not, had the timer ready, he couldn't no, do that. It's the not bit. a bit. We we literally always have a timer. We just always forget oh, to flick. do the to do the thing. Mike, are you ready? <gasps> I'm ready. Okay, three, two, a one. All right, friends. So, for the first time, I think in this entire show, I I, I typically like to keep things pretty positive. Talk about things that I like. However, for this one instance, I'm going to talk about something that grinds my gears. Uh, what, what grinds your gears? To a standing halt. <laughs> uh, it would be the Major League Baseball that's currently going on. And specifically, uh, the commissioner of Major League Baseball, Mr. Rob Commissioner Manfred. Gordon? Oh. No. <laughs> no. What was his actual name? So sorry. Rob Manfred. Manfred, uh, man. possibly you can't trust people named Manfred. Possibly like one of the biggest stooges on the face of the planet. Oh yeah, um, I hate this guy. Yeah, this guy. He fucking okay. Hate this guy. <laughs> so first off, like for anybody who doesn't follow sports leagues or anything like that, what is a commissioner? What's his job? Basically, his job is to light up the bat signal when people are stealing bases. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, no. No. And then the Batman comes in and he doesn't kill him, but they definitely don't play baseball after that. <laughs> he just got to break some ankles. <laughs> he got breaks some ankles. Please lose and then I can see your face. <laughs> that tells me we're doing a good job. Yeah. So no, commissioners of sports leagues are basically uh, people hired for lots of money uh, by the owners of the individual teams to make sure that everyone can get along and to basically be the face of like all PR for the league. Um, so in this mm. case, you have Mr. Robert Manfred, uh, who has been the commissioner for MLB for a few years now. Um, Rob Manfred is typically known as the worst commissioner in major league athletics, that including the NFL hockey and all of the above. Um, now, why would I say that? Why would I say that? Why would I even choose to talk about this? Well, recently there was a big story where at the beginning of the major league baseball season, there uh, was negotiations. This is something that happens nearly every year between the players and the owners of the league. Basically, it's a CBA, um, which is basically how they determine the rules for the upcoming year, especially around how everyone's getting paid. What sort of like market share and revenue share do the players get uh, and do the owners get? Now, the owners are typically, uh, in order of them being owners, they typically are making billions of dollars. Uh, to the point where it's like, if you put up like, I don't, a lot of people don't know like the actual, like how much a billion is compared to a million. It's It's a a lot. It's, it's a hundred million or no, it's a thousand million millions. Like Ah! (laughs) it's a lot Um, too much money. And the thing is, is, um, the owners don't really need anyone going to bat for them. Uh-huh, pun intended. Funny, yeah. um, <laughs> the players, however, are typically always on the losing side of these sorts of negotiations because really at the end of the day, they don't have much power here because there's only two, there's only three different things that can happen. Uh, well, four, if you include the happy path for the CBA uh, or the CBA negotiations, you can agree to this to the to a new CBA before the old one runs out. That way, everyone mm-hmm. gets to go along and play the next season. Da, 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 no problem. Mm-hmm. If there's tensions and they don't want to agree, the owners can choose to um, not take the current, the new proposed CBA and just continue under the old one. That's one uh, one way. Or if that happens, the players can choose to strike, which means they refuse to play. Uh, it's a situation like this happened in 1994. And it's part of what led to the inspiration for the movie, The Replacements, where this, they took that same concept, but just for the NFL. It's where we got hmm. uh, it's where we got uh, Shane Falco sh- throwing the pigskin around uh, <laughs> Keanu Reeves. Um, <laughs> uh, but then Rob Manfred. Uh, I just watched that movie like it's so it's That's actually fine. really good. <laughs> it's actually really good. I had to walk downstairs and be like, I just watched The Replacements. Um, and I was like, is that real? And I was just immediately told, no, that's not real. I was like, oh, okay. It did not happen? No. Okay, cool. Yeah. Went back upstairs. Don't know football. 
Um, the other thing that can happen is, is the, uh, the owners can choose to do what's called a lockout lockouts, basically where they prevent the players from ever, even from making any sort of negotiations on new contracts, allowing them to step into any of the facilities, essentially like it becomes illegal for individual players to talk to any of the owners and their staffs. Um, a particularly interesting case is that there was a player in the league whose brother was, um, he worked for one of the organizations as a coach uh, when they they're fa- when they came together for like a family dinner, they legally were not allowed to talk to each other at the family dinner. <laughs> um, <laughs> but did they? I don't know. No, they didn't. Um, <laughs> sure. <laughs> but to clo- kind of wrap this all up, basically, Rob Manfred is a major stooge to the point where he devalues <laughs> his own uh, his own league as a whole. And it, really, at the end of the day, he serves strictly as a mouthpiece for the extremely greedy and rich owners who all they want to do at the end of the day is they don't want to provide a better baseball product. And we've seen the results of that over the last 14, 15 years. The average age of a baseball fan is in like the 50s, 60s and 70s. Um, I like baseball. <laughs> people like baseball, but you don't really get too many big fans of baseball. Um, not like, like how, not like how it used like to be where Cincinnati. baseball was America's game. Um, I like the Cincinnati Red boys. Cincinnati Reds are pretty good. <laughs> I like the Cincinnati Red Boys. But yeah, I think the cl- closing arguments, Rob Manfred sucks, but the owners suck more. So is this what caused the big strike that was happening? Yeah, well, the uh, the owners uh, locked out the players, but then refused the to players put... players went on strike? Well, no, the players kept trying to come back to the table to make negotiations, but the owners didn't put forth a counter argument to any of their negotiations for over 40 days. Oh, cool. Uh, For like apparent for what everybody seems to think is like no reason. Like they didn't ever offer any. They just kept forgetting to hit send on that very important email. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, that's it. (laughs) I think they're like having a staring contest and they're going to see who blinked first. And then Mm -hmm. nobody blinked. (laughs) I don't know. Players were like, you realize that all we do is play, right? We just won't do that one thing. You guys are the ones who have all the. The the owners tried to give the players like the equivalent of the silent treatment. Mm -hmm. They were like, okay. I'm going to get real into probably NBA basketball. That's what Michael Jordan did when he fucked up the baseball thing. So we'll just do the opposite. We'll pull the anti-MJ move. Yeah, I've seen Space Jam, the original. Classic. Yeah, the original. Strictly, I haven't seen the new one, and I refuse to. That's right. Um, (laughs) Couple of show notes before we jump into anything else. Um, First off, Nick, you included some helpful information that I didn't see, but Jack Black's mom was also very famous. An aerospace engineer. Harbors, yeah, some attention. She was an aerospace engineer and she worked on, or she worked as an electrical engineer on the Minuteman missile, uh, the science ground station for the Hubble telescope, the tracking and data relay satellite, and the Apollo space program. Uh, Wow. And after her retirement as an engineer, she founded a children's multimedia publishing company, eventually publishing more than 20 titles before her death in 2016. How about that? She has two sons. One is Neil Segal, who is a computer scientist and engineer, and the other's Jack Black. <laughs> <laughs> it's an interesting family, to say the least. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> um, the other show note that I want to address before we sign off of this and throw you into Project Icosa Land is that Entertain This is sort of metamorphosizing, would you guys say? It's yeah, Sounds it's it's about making right. an evolutionary step. <laughs> so, yeah, here's where I want to start is we're not starting a podcast network. No. That is not what's happening. That is not what's happening. But what we are doing is making entertain this a sort of brand. It's a family of podcasts. Yeah. Basically, there are a number of podcasts that we are going to produce that is more than just this show, which was our original and our starter and our baby, mm-hmm. um, that will be under the family of podcasts known as Entertain This, because it's vague enough that we can do anything with it. Um, <laughs> one of the reasons why we named our podcast that. <laughs> so that being said, this show that you're currently listening to is called Entertain This, but we often refer to it as the Entertain This podcast. Because Entertain This is the family of podcasts in which we are metamorphosizing into. Mm -hmm. Now, let's talk about that. If you go to our website, it's changed a little bit. 
Um, I always say, go to our website, scroll all the way to the bottom, leave us a message. That is no longer true. So if you listen to past episodes and you tried to do that, so sorry. I hope you found your way around our website. You <laughs> still can do that. It's just in a different place now. Um, but there are also other shows on there too now that you can explore that are also created by us three or us three and somebody else or a group of us three and other people, one of us and another person, so on and so forth. You're always going to have a little bit of entertain this in it. That's what makes us a family of podcasts and not a podcast network. But mm. we have three shows and I want to highlight them all. Of course, we have the Entertain This Podcast, the one that you're listening to, encapsulating all things entertainment. We have Project Icosa, our new D&D actual play podcast that takes place in the world of the Asker realm. Um, that includes Nick Mustakangas, Michael Savoya, uh, our new friend Dan Robert, Roberts uh, Robertson is coming on. I messed up his name because I'm trying to get it all out. <laughs> and of course, Chloe Price, our fact checker, uh, is playing in that as well. Michael's pointing to something. She's, she, if she know. comes in, she'll come in like over there. Yeah, that's, that's right. <laughs> I don't know what. Oh, okay. Uh, I just always bitch. imagine her off to off to this side. Yeah, of she's the show. over there. And then, of course, our third show under our new umbrella of the Entertain This Family of Podcast is Big Chicken Bits, which we have welcomed wholeheartedly into our hearts, and we hope we don't get sued for. <laughs> but that is their goal, and if it happens, we will congratulate them, and we will make them pay for any damages that it causes. Not so much a lawsuit. Um, we just want to get a cease and desist. Yeah. See? For, yeah, for legal reasons, they're not a show under Entertain This, just an association. Yes. So Yes, thank you. Um, so when Big Chicken Bits does eventually get a cease and desist, are you just going to move on to another form of meat, or are you going to do like, Big Mac and cheese bits and go after craft. <laughs> like, what happens? What is the next step in, in or in uh, Big Chicken Bits? I don't know. I didn't. I didn't think we'd actually get that far. So when it does happen, I'll let you know. <laughs> all right, fair enough. So anyway, if you go to our website now and you scroll down to the bottom, you're going to see a list of all three shows. Check them all out. You can listen to them right there on the website now. Uh, if you click on the shows tab up at the top, um, give them all a listen. You can subscribe to all of them. They're all entertaining. They're all entertaining this. But let's do a sign off real quick. And then you're going to hear the prologue of our new podcast, Project Icosa. But for now, there are a couple ways that you could reach out to us. You're already pointing. I got stuff to go through. Come on. We got social medias. Um, if there's something that in the realm of entertainment that we haven't covered yet that you want to hear us cover, reach out to us and send us your suggestions. There are a couple of different ways you can do that. The first and most easiest way is to email us at entertainthispodcast at gmail.com or you can go to our website www.entertainthis.net slash et dash this um no it's et dash podcast and scroll all the way to the to the bottom and that questionnaire is still there waiting for you so you can fill out that questionnaire and send us your suggestions that way or you can reach out to us on twitter we are entertain underscore this on instagram we are entertain this podcast and on facebook we are podcast entertain this until next time entertain us so we can entertain you and you can entertain this see you guys next week bye, bye. bye. as children our curious minds often lead us to the question of our origin for some, the answer can be found in lineage, the blood that pumps through their bodies, and the people for whom fate has tied them to, and with it, all the advantages and disadvantages that that entails. But for some, for those with a tie to Podius himself, they hunger for more. The experience of living is too rich to be as simple as chemistry. Those with a thirst for knowledge often find themselves at the end of a candle in the lonesome hours of the night, bent over leather-bound books where history and myth combine into a beautiful orchestral piece. Those who turn to fate for a guiding hand find themselves upon a tale older than language itself. Before land beneath our feet, before sky above our head, long before fish swam in rivers or birds chirped in trees, there was but one absolute in 
all of the cosmos. Time. Drifting aimlessly throughout nothing, between awakening existence and sleeping voids, there was time. Alone and aware of their own existence, waiting for something. Though they weren't sure what. They sat in contemplation of themselves for what felt like forever, but they knew had only been a billion years or so. As they did, they came to several realizations. First was that, though they were passing, their minutes felt hollow and meaningless. Second was that they felt endless, both from where they came to where they were going. This thought lingered with them for but a moment before they looked up and discovered they were no longer alone. They felt their back push against another. They were now only looking into one eternity instead of two. Greetings. Be you a well-met stranger? Morgane spoke, unaware that these were the first words, in many ways, for all of time. <laughs> that depends entirely on the company, Podius responded with a hearty chuckle. As though the two bodies were attached by wires, they began to lift their arms in mirroring motions, taking in the five digits on each hand and following them up the arm and to the shoulder, and so on, with the curiosity of a child. They danced together rhythmically in time as they discovered their chests and heart beating within, their legs and eventually feet, prompting them to both stand. A simple step at first, and then another slowly separated the two figures from each other, moving in different directions. This is strange. I feel... Morgane started. Substantial. Podius concluded. Morgane felt a sudden warmth fill at this word. Yes, exactly, Morgane let out. They attempted to turn to their companion, but they found they were unable. What's happening? Podius, still mirroring, let their face fall to a melancholy. They had realized the same as Morgane. We aren't meant to see each other, or face the direction of the opposite eternity, Podius concluded. And why are you to assume that? Morgane quickly barked back. There are so many possibilities. Who's to say that those don't include full companionship? Podius sat for a moment as confusion spread across their brow. Possibilities. There is only what was. And how that has changed what is. The confused expression mirrored Morgane. There was nothing of importance. There is only what is, and how that affects what's to come. As the wounds caused by their separation began to heal, and their individualities began to take shape, their minds raced into two different directions as their mirrored step broke. Podius delved deeper in the past as Morgane stopped reaching into the cosmos to begin crafting out of the materials. Podius began to lose themselves in contemplation. They remembered being lonely. They remembered the eternity they had spent drifting endlessly between two eternities, both an ever-expanding nothingness, a prison with no walls. They remembered it all, and at once it all weighed on their physical form. They could feel it build on their chest. They were lost in the eternity of the past, lonely and aimless, until something passed their new form. An orb, covered in a reflective liquid surface. 
they saw behind them the back of a beautiful figure with delicate features who was gently placing a second orb in the air, almost as though being gentle not to allow it to break. This orb also having a shiny reflective surface, though not at all liquid. Podius saw Morgane's soft glowing face. As I said, Morgane began. So many possibilities. Their sharp, knowing smile gave Podius an unfamiliar feeling, one they decided to call hope. What do you call this thing? Podius responded. So many questions, Morgane stated with a grin. It's your realm to rule, O great Asker. We shall call it Asker Realm, and you shall watch over it. It will provide you the company I know you must crave, and carve a past for you to explore. And, too, shall dictate the future I reside over. You shall provide me the company I crave through these creatures, for only what you study shall affect what I rule, and what you rule I shall study, Podius added. And we will watch each other through the Asker realm, and through, Morgane stuttered, attempting to come up with something for their own orb, hope. Podius added, the moon hope. And so it shall be, Morgane concluded. As the eternities they watched grew ever more expansive, under the watchful gaze of Morgane and Podius, the orbs took different shapes. Land grew scattered upon the Ascarome, and with it came new forms of life to keep Podius company, just as Morgane had promised. Morgane's orb on the other hand, began to tarnish, and no longer reflected the image of Podius, only their white glow. Their presence, even in this form, still felt warm to Morgane, and they found they could still feel the creatures on Askerom. If that was as close as they could get to being with Podius, they were happy. Though they worried their glow was not felt by Podius, who had traveled alongside Askerom's past, reliving their favorite moments. Morgane reached down into the cosmos once more and made another orb, one that would burn bright with their passion for Podius, and sent it to keep them warm. This orb would be named Remini. Morgane continued to create for Podius' entertainment, giving the creatures of Ascarum tools and stories for Podius to chronicle, and inspiring the creatures to make art and beauty equivalent to Morgane's own creativity. For this, Podius was grateful, and returned often to Morgane's side, recounting stories they had gathered. Things continued like this for a long while, before the creatures began creating unprompted, which filled Morgane with joy. They had created something that could entertain them as well, they saw so many places they could go. However, Podius was not as excited. He had seen something develop in the creatures. They could never tell Morgane of. Something terrible brewing deep within them. Hate and jealousy had reared their nasty heads, and these creatures began to create ways of harming each other. It wasn't long before with it came war and guns, ownership and command, and they began killing each other. Only when all possibilities of peace were extinguished did Morgane realize what they had created. Why didn't you tell me? Morgane demanded. Throughout the stories you told, you never told me of this. You, you couldn't stop it. Podius sputtered through tears. If there is one thing I've learned, it's that the future is coming. And the best we can do is prepare for it to hit. 
we may encourage their choices, but ultimately our gift to them is the ability to make them. That's not true. It can't be true. Morgaine spoke with tearful eyes and a handful of the cosmos. Morgaine began crafting a new realm and allowing their tears to hit its surface. Podius looked through the waters of Ascarome, begging Morgaine to stop, pleading, You know not what you're doing. These creatures will always find a way if they do not learn now. Please! With each tear that fell from Morgaine's face, a doorway opened into the Ascarome. Doors in which Morgaine used to take the weapons that caused harm to their creatures, and they hid them away, and with it, hid the realm away from the creatures they loved the most. Unbeknownst to them, allowing a new energy to escape into the Asker realm from their tears. Magic, derived from their power of innovation and creation, to which the creatures of the Asker realm quickly used to demolish their opponents in battle, banish them to extinction. Morgaine fell to their knees, realizing what they had done. They looked to a future filled with darkness and summoned their orb Remini. They once again reached into the cosmos and began weaving small threads from it and attached it to the orb that once represented warmth and comfort. They sent it back to Podius, who watched as the woven strings attached to every creature on the Asker realm. What have you done? Asked Podius. If death they crave, let me not keep them from it. They must be encouraged. These woven strings shall break if they prove themselves worth. If not, then they shall be pulled into Remini and fed to the flames, Morgaine answered. Please, you can't do this, Podius pleaded. It's already done. Be gone with your stories, Morgaine responded resolutely as they sat in the hole they had dug in the cosmos. Podius watched as their only companion fell to the same weight they had once fallen to. I shall report back to you the tales of tomorrow, for it shall always come, and with it, opportunity for growth, Podius called back. With this, Morgaine lifted their head as they looked into eternity and confirmed Podius's words. Please do, was all Morgaine said. As time passed, many souls were pulled into Remini, but many broke free from the strings as well. For those who broke free, they were reunited with Morgaine at the behest of Podius. And over time, Morgaine let the length of her woven strings grow, allowing for more time for the souls to break free. It is the responsibility of all of those in the Ascarum to lead a life that may one day guide us back to Morgaine and the hands of creation. Until then, Morgaine and Podius are locked away from us. At least for now. So where under Podius's watchful eye does that leave us? Where is it that Morgaine leads us? The Askerome, long ridden with war and turmoil, now has found itself in a time of peace. 
That land, once stolen by savages, has been reclaimed under the Asker Realm sky. The land has been divided into factions under the rule of our great king, Morosis. Each faction responsible for providing specific trade to the kingdom, ensuring that all are given equal resources. It is in one of those factions that we begin our story. Thank you for listening to the prologue of Project Icosa Season 1, Turning Time. As we continue this series, I hope that you'll join along and follow our story and fall in love with the characters that we create. If this is something that interests you after listening to our prologue, I encourage you to follow us on social medias. On Twitter, we are Project underscore Icosa. On Instagram, we are Project Icosa. One word. On YouTube, we will be uploading a video version of each episode onto the Entertain This YouTube channel. Our plan moving forward is to upload bi-weekly every second and last Monday of the month, so be looking out for us come April. This episode of Entertain This was written by Alex Steele, with additional commentary from Michael Savoya and Nick Mustakangas. Our showrunner and resident fact-checker is Chloe Price. Our theme music is Rush Bubble by Aaron Spencer, with interstitial music by DJW. Tune in every Friday for new episodes, and thanks for listening.